This is Wildcat Dojo Conversations. Hi, and welcome to another exciting episode. I'm Sensei Michelle. And I'm Sensei Jackie. And I just want to say, I do use the word exciting every week, but that's because every week I am excited. I can't help it. Well, today I'm excited because our guests are Kim and her son, Matthew, and they have been on before. But today we're asking Kim some questions. And it's about a part of her life that involves yoga, breathing, and meditation, and not necessarily in that order. We talk about these concepts often and did a whole episode on breathing, which I'm sure that you're going to take in the show notes, Sensei. Of course. However, today's show is unique for a number of reasons. One of those reasons is that it is someone's journey, and that's Kim. So first off, Kim, welcome back. Thank you, Sensei. It's a pleasure to be here. And also, Matthew's here. Now, just in case you're forgetful, Matthew is Kim's son, but he's also an interesting young man on his own right. Hey, Matthew, we're so glad you're here. Thank you, Sensei. All right. My first question's for you. And that is, before we started talking about doing this interview, were you aware of your mom's time studying meditation, breathing, yoga, etc.? Yes. And I have an interesting story to tell you about her time. Okay. I'm ready for it. So... In 1996, or around that time, my mom went on a two-month retreat where she lived at a temple where she would practice yoga. She would work there, and by working there for hours, she would get free food, free drink, and free stay. So one day, she was cleaning out a cave, a meditation cave, and when she went into the cave, she felt that she had the need to meditate, and she stopped cleaning. She sat down, and she meditated for about an hour or two. Wow. I am laughing because he brought that up. The the time was actually in 1998, 1997. You had the facts pretty good. That's pretty close. And I'm going to get off track one more time and say, we know a young man who is spending one year at a Buddhist temple to reach his first level in that arena. I really don't have all the words for you, but two things. Number one, we did an interview with him a couple of years back. So I'll tag it in the show notes. And number two, we'll talk to him when he gets back. I can't wait. And see how he, how he liked it and what, what new journeys lie ahead. Now, back to today. And back to Kim, okay? Okay. And we rhymed it. Oh, <laughs> yes, we did. So, Kim, when you first got interested in meditation and yoga breathing, how did this all come about? Um, it was something that was more of like a yearning inside of me where I felt that there was something more to life than what I had been raised with and that I wanted to explore who I really was. You know, the ultimate thing, and to this day, I wonder if I ever really found the answer. I was looking for my purpose in this life, and I wanted to get it done and over as quickly as possible. I wanted to be on point. So I thought, why not dive into everything that I can find out about meditation? And I exhausted every different type of book I could find all in my early 20s. Wow. So that's what I was wondering. You you were definitely finished with college at this point. And um... I started when I was 16 to meditate. I was watching a movie. It was a Shirley MacLaine movie out on the limb. Uh And I thought, Uh hey, I love this movie. I want to learn more about it. Perfect. I have two things. First thing is, I'm going to say this in a double negative. I don't think it's uncommon for people to want to find a bigger purpose. And As a rule, we're totally on board and encourage that. Yes. Look for what makes you feel complete 
And that's the thing that you're going to be able to sustain for long periods of time. Would we all agree on that? I would agree with that. Mm -hmm. And secondly, having nothing to do with what you just said, I want to go in the way back machine and ask Matthew, I believe, Matthew, that you did a little bit of research for us and have some history facts. Am I correct? Yes. And it's about breathing, I think. Yes. Okay, I'm ready. All right. So ancient Chinese scholars believe that breathing could be used to repair the lungs. Now, Tibetan monks actually could go so deep into meditation that their bodies would heat up. That's cool. I know. (laughs) Can I interrupt you? The, the guy who started the Goji system, which is our system of karate, Chojin Miyagi, used deep breathing to heal his own asthma. That's so right. That's an example, isn't it? And didn't you also read that they have subsequently done some medical research? Yes, and in modern times, there was actually a study where a tortoise lives 98 years. That's the average lifespan of a tortoise. And they breathe only four times every minute. Whoa. They breathe that deeply? Yes. All their breaths are deep breaths. And the average human breathes 12 to 20 breaths per one minute. And the lifespan in the U.S. is around 77 years. Wow. So clearly, folks, we're advocates of deep breathing and meditation. But let's get back on, you know, our victim. I love love that fact about the deep breathing and the meditation, but I I do believe that it can accelerate your life as well, right? If you do more deep breathing, hopefully we live past 77. (laughs) Yes. Yes, we definitely hope so. That's funny. Okay. I want to jump back to the very beginning of your formalized training and talk about how you met your instructor. Was it kind of like um, spontaneous or karma or the way you run into your instructor that becomes your karate instructor? Mm-hmm. Um, well, it was it was a sequence of events that led to one to another. And one can say it was by accident because I had gone to a Reiki healing session because I had just gone through a breakup, which you're probably going to go through at some point in your life. <laughs> <laughs> and I was sad. And one of my friends said, hey, I got a great idea to you. I know of somebody who does Reiki healing who can go there. We can feel great about it. We can do that. And funny enough, when I got there, there were some books in the waiting room. And one of the books that caught my eye was a book about yoga. And I started reading it. And I read it for a while. And then I remember falling asleep. And, you know, it was just such a nice day. And then when she was all finished, she invited my friend to go meet the yoga instructor. But she didn't think that it was something that I was into. And I said, well, wait a minute. Yes, I want to learn more. I would love to go. Oh, okay. Well, let me give you this information. And she she gave me the information of a woman who became my friend to this day, who I went to visit the yoga center with. And I remember I dove right into it. Like within a month, I went from going to the yoga center in Fort Lauderdale and then one more time in Miami to flying to the meditation retreat, which is a big step. Huge step. Can I take a pause? Real quick, let's try to super simply explain what is Reiki, just in case somebody isn't clear. So I'm going to start by saying it's another avenue of self-healing. It's just where they hold your hands over you and they do signs. And it is based on healing whatever's going on in your body, whatever you need, whatever's missing. And so I'm going to give another little uh, caveat before we push here. Sensei Jackie and I, and I'm going to say you can add in whatever your beliefs are here. Mm -hmm. We're not against anything 
that makes a person feel better. I personally like acupuncture, but my, my good friend, she likes therapeutic massage. And my other friend, he likes the chiropractor. The reason I bring that up when we talk about Reiki is because they have in common that they don't have Western scientific evidence backing them up. Mm. So they're called pseudoscience. Thank you. I knew she'd know that word for me. And, and the way it's written, if you Google it, is that these pseudosciences are less than. Yes. And I'm going to say that if you're me and you love your acupuncturist the way I love mine, you're like, I don't care what you say, Missy, <laughs> Missy Google, you can think what you like. But having said that, and now explaining Reiki, let's get back on track, shall we? That's a good idea. Okay. So We're- there you are. You flew back to South Fallsburg? Yes, I went there for just one weekend. And that's where I received my spiritual awakening. We'll call it that. And what is a spiritual awakening? It's just becoming in touch with the light that's within, the self that's within. What is the self? My inner consciousness. It's, it's an awareness. It's an acute awareness. And the best way to describe it for me is that everything became clearer that day. And I, I don't know how else to say it other than the flowers glistened more. The sun was brighter and it all developed from breathing. And that is why breathing is so essentially important to me. I was just following the simple in and out breath that we were doing in the meditation. And I was repeating what they call a simple mantra. And that is what led me to have this awakening. And after that, I didn't have to force myself to think of anything to put me in a state of meditation. It became natural. It became spontaneous. And maybe it's just letting go of my own fear, having my own ego step in and saying, you can't meditate. Maybe it's just a psychosomatic thing that says, it's okay to just be in yourself and and not be judged by anything that I've ever done before and let go of that perfection. I like it. I want to add, first off, I bet you we haven't had three episodes of this podcast past where we haven't spoken of how important breathing is and how powerful a tool it is to change your perception, Mm -hmm. which as we all know, and any fan of the movie, The Matrix will tell you, is 99.9% of reality. Perception is reality. That's it. But I had one one day when I was driving out here with Sensei Jackie and I had a terrible traffic jam. So I got off and I went another way and I had another one. So so I said, well, this is clearly time for me to relax and take a couple of breaths. (laughs) And it worked immediately as if I had um, taken a medicine to make me better. It was so wonderful to have that moment of perception right in my own history to speak of. So that was pretty cool. We spoke of it that day, I even believe. Yes, we did. Yes. Okay, I think I interrupted a little bit. Do you want do you know where you are or am I asking a question? Well, I could just piggyback on your last comment. I, I love it how you use the word perception and the way I imagine it now is just a shift in consciousness. And and that is the easiest way to go. And I have to catch myself if I need to do that shift. And it's it's not always easy. And it's something that I've worked with Matthew as well. I think he's well aware of what that shift means. Like when it's time to take a deep breath and kind of come back. We've talked about these things with each other before. Do you agree, big guy? Yes, it's it. Can I say one thing on your behalf and my own personal behalf? This is so much easier to say than it is to do every minute of every day. 
isn't it? Yes. Yes. Okay. <laughs> it's really difficult constantly to be, well, I would use the word self-control, but I don't think you would because it's kind of practical and, and the less practicality, the better is the feeling I get here. The more it flows, the better is the feeling I get here. How am I there? I, I think you're exactly correct in that area because one of the greatest things that I ever learned about meditation was to focus on the self and not to focus on the fact that I have other things coming into my mind. And whenever I see something, rather than push it away, the best thing I do is to realize it. Okay, I'm thinking about this right now. Think about it, let it go. Mm -hmm. Think about it, let it go. And eventually I just get tired of thinking about it and let it go. And I forget that I'm even thinking about it. Mm -hmm. And then you've let it go. <laughs> accidentally on purpose. That's right. And then, and then I wake up 20 minutes later. I'm like, whoa, what happened? I feel like I had a three hour nap. <laughs> I was thinking about the use of it when uh, Matthew walks into his, his math class and he didn't know that there was going to be a quiz that day, how the, the breathing could help him reduce his tension at that point. Mm -hmm. It's especially because you probably knew the material, but the idea of the quiz is what's keeping you from thinking as clearly as you might. And I think that's good for all people of all ages. Mm -hmm. Understanding that breathing, and let's just talk about that breathing, even though we do it all the time. So I'm going to turn the floor over to you, Kim. The actual breath, it begins somewhere, it goes in, how deep, how long. Give us just your opinion on that. So whenever um, I'm learning how to meditate or I'm, I'm showing somebody, I usually start at the basic. And I stick to short numbers. And I think it's the same thing we do in karate. Um, I start at five. So take it in for five and then release it at the five to keep it the same. And then a little more advanced, I would recommend to hold it for a moment, maybe not a moment, but like a couple seconds, like maybe three seconds and let it go. And then I discovered that as I start to relax more, I can maybe go to like the number seven. But the key thing to remember and the best way to meditate, at least for me, is to only do that just to, to get me focused on it. And then after I do it, maybe for up to five times, I don't need to go more than that because I don't need to feel dizzy in the head because too much, you know, too much breathing can do that. I just breathe normally. And then if I do find myself drifting in the middle, sometimes caught up in those things that are flying in and out. It does help me to come back and focus on the breath. And a practice that I do when I'm breathing regularly is to imagine that I'm watching the breath go in and out of the body. Can you give it color? I can give it color. I like to imagine a blue. Um, if I'm looking for healing, maybe I'll imagine a pink light. I don't necessarily need to see it inside. I'll imagine it. I don't know how to describe it. It's like the space between the middle of your forehead, like the temple. I just focus on what they call a, a blue light or a white light, whatever mm -hmm. it is that you mm -hmm. see there. Okay. I'm feeling good about this. And I hope you guys um, who are listening are also saying, I got you so far. I think <laughs> so. And and it's so interesting to, he to hear from where you have come to where you are now. <laughs> Very nice. I cannot believe that we're actually going to run out of time. It's a surprise to me. Yeah. 
So we, we have to decide which way do we want to go? Do we want to talk about comparing the, the breathing that we do in karate class to the breathing that you do in the yoga meditations? Or do we want to all talk about different types of meditation? I almost got off on that subject when you were talking about the blue light, but then I said, no, reel back, Michelle. <laughs> yeah, so I'm sure most people didn't even know what I meant by the blue no, light. No, no. I think yeah. the people who meditate didn't know. I think they do know. Yeah. I like the bright white one. That's uh-huh. what I like. Oh. But, and, and it's sometimes so elusive. Am I the only person that happens to? No. no. Oh, thank goodness. <sighs> okay. So where are we headed? I like the different types of meditation. I think that's the most fun because I can, I can answer mm-hmm. the first question in a quick answer. Okay. Very similar. Oh, okay. <laughs> there you go. So for those of you who are in training and or train on your own, you're on the right path. Just keep on going with it. All right. So different types of meditation that you like, that you dislike. Have you ever had one that you really don't like? Have you, Kim? If it's very intensive breathing and I start to feel dizzy, I'd say I'm out. I once did one for a long time where you switch nostrils. I'm doing it, so that's why my voice is changing. (laughs) And I thought it was distractingly irritating, but I think that might have just been me. (laughs) It's a Hatha yoga um, technique, if I recall, and it, it makes me feel, I mean, it's supposed to relieve the congestion in the nose, but my nose is usually too congested to really enjoy it. <laughs> oh, I'm so glad you said that because that's what I think too. <laughs> okay. Anybody else want to complain before we move on to the ones we like? No. No. <laughs> okay. Well, you start us out, Kim. Do you have a favorite? Um, okay. So I'm going to go with the Dharna. The Dharna is a guided meditation. And I enjoy those because whenever I hear one by my favorite yoga teacher, it is so relaxing. It's a nice voice. And the journey is such a beautiful one. And I find myself very relaxed into the story. They are nice. Okay, where do you want to go, Matthew? Well, I like guided meditations as well. I think the story is very beautiful. That's cool. That takes us to you, Sensei Jackie. The one I like the best is when I consider the um, the ripple on the water. If I throw a stone into the water and it makes a ripple, and then each one makes another ripple, how far my influence, how far goodness can travel when ripple meets ripple. That was beautiful, what you just said. Oh, thank you. And I was only minutely distracted by the fact that Sensei Jackie's cats are meowing in the background, and I'm loving it. So you guys who are in the audience, if you get to hear it, yay, Anya. Right? They're enjoying the rippling. Exactly. (laughs) Yes, let's do that. I think they're still in the back. I just heard them talking to you. So this is a trick question for me because I do this meditation where I send my mind on an alphabetical journey. I don't think it's somebody's idea. I just thought of it one day and I do it. And I like it because... It doesn't allow my mind to bring in other things, that random thought. So I love that concept that you're just going to keep thinking of words that start with the letter H, Michelle. Or another one that I like to do, and I do it with students as well, is you're going to start at the beginning of of the alphabet, and you're going to see what word comes up with each letter in your own head. So if I were doing it, I would say ability, benevolence courage. And I would just keep on going. And the thing I like about it is it keeps my mind focused. 
And I love that meditation allows me to get my mind to focus because, and not just me, I'm sure, our very short attention span theater people, Mm -hmm. all the world is. We all are nodding. We know it's true. We are. But the downside of that is it is oriented towards an objective. Focus, Michelle. And meditation in its most pure sense is not focused towards an objective. It's focused towards self-enlightenment. How did I do saying that? I think that makes sense. Yeah. So I think one of my favorites isn't not even necessarily. Thank you. That's what I was going to (laughs) say. That's, he, he said exactly like I was going to say it. It's not necessarily meow. <laughs> I think it's a beautiful way to, to think through it. And I, I think it would get you in a point of, I would say, evenness and to a point where I would forget that I'm trying to meditate. So That's I, I, what happens to me. Yes. I, I get about halfway through and I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm good now, baby. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Has this been fun or what? Oh, it's been great. I'm so glad that you guys came. Thank you. Thank you, Sensei. I would venture to guess that we could make a whole another episode on the same subject, still talking about all the things you've learned. So if you guys have questions, you're going to have to write them to us here at the podcast. Oh, and yes. you're going to get a hold of us at Wildcat Dojo all over the web at dojoconversations at AOL.com. And on Instagram at Wildcat Dojo Conversations. Thank you. And we have two quick pieces of business before we start our thank yous. Number one, reach out to Cynthia at Honor Athletics, of course. Of course. At 770-945-5150 and give her some business of buying karate things. It would be very kind of you. And it would support us if you mentioned us, Wildcat Dojo. Or you could support us directly by just going to our link. About three quarters of the way down on our page, we have a support the podcast link. And you could send us a couple of bucks. We would not be meditatively sad. (laughs) First, I'm going to do my thank yous. And then I'm going to say to you, hey, if you're tough, stay with us. Because after credits, we're going to give you a special surprise. (laughs) (laughs) Spoiler alert. Thanks, Matthew. Did you have fun? Because I sure had fun with you. Of course, Sensei. It was an honor and a pleasure to be here. Thank you so much. Okay. And you, Kim, it goes without saying, you were the star of the show. And thank you so much. Thank you for the opportunity to share with you today. I, I've really enjoyed every moment. I appreciate it. You're very welcome. Thank you for being here. Okay, since we're going to have an extra credit, let's do a quick adios. So on that note, we're signing, signing out. out. Thanks for being here. Hope you join us again next week on Wildcat Dojo Conversations. Okay, Kim, now. We're back again with a surprise moment, and that is a meditation for a child. If you were a parent trying to help your child get into that frame of mind, correct? A sensei. You are that parent. So (laughs) So because I had the meditation background, I wanted more than everything to share it with my young child, but I wanted to share it in a way that would make sense to him. So the easiest thing I did was to start with the simple breathing. We would do it before bedtime. So he's already got his eyes closed. He's laying down. He's relaxing. And we would just do simple breaths, five in, five out. And then we would advance it a little and do the hold in between. But one of the funnest things we ever did was to do a short guided meditation. And usually I would make it fun for him. 
And kids don't need a necessarily boring meditation. Why not integrate it with story time and get them excited about it at night? So I would make up stories with him and he would tell me what world he wanted to visit. So for example, if he said to me, mom, I want to visit candy world. So we would talk about a world that's all candy and be a way to get there. So it would focus on his listening skills and get him relaxed into the moment. Or we would focus on a wintry world, you know, where it's cold. and But then you have the warm fire there when you get inside the little cabin. The idea was just to lead him through comfort zones and to relax him before sleep. Pretty amazing. Do you remember those, Matthew? Of course, Sensei. And you remember them um, like as a happy thought? Yes, Sensei. That's so cool. What a relief. <laughs> Kim's going, I didn't know she was going to ask that question. <laughs> they, they are so awesome that we wrote them down. We actually have oh, short stories. Oh, wow. And, and I believe at some point in the future, you're going to publish a little book. Are they going to be part of it? I plan on it, Sensei. Isn't that exciting? <laughs> wow, I want to see that book. Okay, guys, now we really are closing out. But thanks for listening, and please send feedback. Bye.